I'm Kate. And I'm Jesse. And you're listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. <laughs> Let's do this. Get something between like 50 and 65% more website traffic for businesses who blog. That right there is, is the first one that stands out for me. Because if you're not getting website traffic, it's going to be really hard to generate business. Welcome to Cocktails and Content Creation, a podcast dedicated to helping you easily create content with confidence. I'm Kate Andrews. And I'm Jesse Wyman. Welcome back to another episode of Cocktails and Content Creation. This is episode 146. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We would love to know what you think. For today's episode, we're chatting about writer's don'ts, what to avoid in business and personal blogging. Uh, but before we go any further, what are you drinking today, Jesse? So I am actually going to be making or remaking the drink, the one of the first drinks I had on our trip to Paris, and it was it was called Sex in the Jacuzzi, Ooh. and it was a champagne cocktail. I will be looking up the ingredients. Perhaps we can include the, the ingredients in our show notes um, because oh I don't goodness. have them handy, but it was definitely a like sweet sort of bubbly drink. But the best part about it was that there was an he like put like these neon glow sticks in oh my god in the champagne glass it made it impossible to drink so we had to pull them out but it was it was very fun all right well you are you are gonna have to share those i actually just added it to the show notes so you'll have to share that those uh, i will i will those d- ingredients with us and uh, everyone you can check that out over on the show notes um i'm not drinking anything nearly that fancy today it's just some seltzer water for me mm. well, maybe if i put some glow sticks in it, it'll make it fancy i don't put know i've never thought of that glass and mm-hmm. with some neon little neon glow sticks there you go have yourself a little party <laughs> oh that'll be a lot of fun over here uh-huh. my children will think i'm crazy but that's all right they'll probably want some <laughs> yeah actually it's funny i had a drink oh uh, a couple nights ago and we were where we oh i was at a mexican restaurant and i had a um a fancy like a fancy margarita and of course it came in this pretty glass and it looked all pink and pretty and everything and it had the sugar in and ariel was like mama can i have some and i'm like no i'll get arrested nope. if you have mm-hmm. some sorry mm-hmm. honey yep wait another 20 18 wait however many years that is 19. as far as i'm concerned she can wait 30 years i'm glad yeah. with that i'll be good with that mm. Well, now that we have that important business out of the way, let's dive into our discussion with content strategist Amanda Hand, all about blogging. Amanda Hand is a content strategist specializing in digital marketing and SEO across diverse industries. Her expertise lies in creating high-performing content that drives business growth, managing international teams, and converting audiences through effective ad copy and long-form content. Today, she's going to share with us writer's don'ts, what to avoid in business and personal blogging. And I can't wait to find out what those are. Amanda, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. Welcome, welcome. Well, first off, this is Cocktails and Content Creation. So we must start off with what are you drinking or what would you be drinking if it was, you know, five o'clock wherever you are? If it were five o'clock, I would probably either be drinking a Negroni or a Gimlet. Um, But right now it's tea. So very nice. Um, I love I love a tea fan. I do love it. I love a good cup of tea. She's got a whole cabinet full of tea. I do. I do. (laughs) I I do too. It's it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. And I'll like use a tea bag twice. 
And I get yelled at for it because we have too much teeth for me to be doing that, but I can't help it. (laughs) All right. Well, other than being a tea lover, tell us a brief introduction about your journey and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So I actually started in insurance sales. Um, I was an inside sales consultant and I sold uh, different types of insurances that were personal insurance. Um, I was hired at a company to be a sales rep and I had realized that they were really suffering in the marketing arena. They weren't getting the SEO results that they were looking for. And I'd always been a writer. Um, I think I wrote my first like novella when I was in the fourth grade. Um, so it's just something that it's one of those things where you just have to compulsively do. Um, and that's how I really started. So then I wanted to take that direction in my career. So I saw this opportunity at a company. I said, you really need an in-house writer if you want to rank um, for your travel insurance brand. And they were like, okay, well, if you can you know, get results while also managing your tasks, we'll consider having that in the marketing department. So I started by kind of juggling both jobs, got results, saw success within about eight months, and then was moved into marketing and became a content marketer. Um, And really very self-taught. I let data really drive me, attended as many conferences as I could, got mentors, I read a lot. And at that time, I read a lot. And I did a lot of research on how to you know, really approach content marketing uh, successfully. And I really just kind of... I grew from there. I started developing a little bit of a name for myself in the travel insurance space because that's a really complicated topic. So to be able to water that down for general audience that doesn't really know the ins and outs in the insurance industry was really hard. So I started getting contracts and kind of branching out, doing a lot of business blogging and personal blogging for companies where they would put my face on it or they would have me guest blog for travel agencies to educate on their products um, or I would do it under the brand name as like a ghostwriter. And then in COVID, the pandemic, uh, travel took a big hit um, and I was working on a contract that I just wasn't happy with. Um, I wasn't seeing eye to eye with the with the company and and how they were kind of managing their products and and things like that. So I started thinking to myself, maybe it's time to diversify. Um, And I went into marketing agencies and I worked, I did some content in the university atmosphere, medical. um, And then I started freelancing for Regex and they asked me to come in house and it's, it's been great. It's been an awesome, awesome year of career growth and, um, I'm loving it. That's a lot. Like, I just feel like that's so interesting how, like, in a corporate career that you were able to actually kind of like carve out a niche because I feel like so many people like get stuck into like the role that they were hired onto. So you actually saw a problem and approached them with a solution and they let you actually kind of run with it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of people who really believed in me. Um, So I had great mentors. And I think, especially early on, I was never afraid to ask for help. So, you know, I would, I would walk up, it was a, it was a small, it was a fairly small travel insurance company. Um, 
And it was local to the area that I lived in. So I actually worked in the same office, very close to the CEO's door. And I would go knock on his door and be like, what do you think about this? And he would have, you know, 45 minute conversations with me. So I think because I was curious and I was also just straightforward and direct, um, he really enjoyed that and he saw a lot of potential. So he really kind of let me carve my own path. And then the more results I get, the more trust I got and the more experience I was able to get through that. So it was a, it was an awesome opportunity, and I was really really fortunate to have landed there. You know, so, so many people often go towards like a bigger aid, you know, bigger company to begin with. They think that the perks are better or something like that. And I actually started off at a very small television station, and I kind of found the same thing as you, where I was able to do so much more because I was kind of always in my boss's ear because I could. Yeah. Um, there's definitely the advantage there with that. I completely agree. Now, you know, we're talking about blogging for this episode, something that is near and dear to my heart. <laughs> um, and I will be the first person to say you need to be blogging for your business. But we're going to ask you, the expert, why? First off, why should we be blogging for our business? I think the thing that stands out to me the most, and you'll have to correct me on the data points because I don't remember them exactly, but I think it's something between like 50 and 65% more website traffic for businesses who blog. Um so that right there is is the first one that stands out for me because if you're not getting website traffic, um, I just I think at some point it's going to be really hard to generate business because that's how people prefer to do their research. It's how people prefer to book their sales. You still have people who are calling in and who are asking questions and going that route, but that's becoming a little bit few um, few and far between. So I think the biggest one is is definitely traffic, which ends up going into lead generation, uh, you know, whether it's your email newsletter list and you're going through whole like drip campaigns to develop trust and um, lead nurture that audience into becoming a customer through whatever your life cycle is. Um, so it, it just really, it seems like there really isn't a reason why you shouldn't be <laughs> um, if, if I have to, if I have to be completely honest. Um so that's the biggest one. And then I think the I think the other thing that really stands out to me is it's such a great way to build rapport um, with your audience. Because when you are getting people to come to your website through search organically or through social media or paid advertising, even if you're if you have the PPC budget to to push people to your blog, you're able to really add value if you're writing content that is valuable to them. And that helps build that trust because you're not in their face with a sales pitch. You're not, you know, up right in front of them, telling them, giving them all of these promises. You're actually answering a question or telling them about a service that they may not know exists that can solve a problem for them. And that really helps you build rapport with people before you even have to go out and, and spend those ad dollars or pay that salesperson or, you know, put those billboards up. So in essence, it's a conduit for traffic because it's going to give you better rankings because you're, you know, all the magic that happens behind the scenes with SEO and keywords and all the things. But then it's also a trust building factor. So someone that finally does land on your website, finds your content valuable, is just going to be more interested in learning more and find you possibly as the expert or exactly what you they're looking for in terms of an offer or service. Yeah. And I think, 
I think it also helps with that brand awareness element too, where, you know, prior to going to Google or prior to going through social media, you know, my daughter is 16. She has no idea how to use Google. She uses TikTok to search for things. It's incredible. I, I love, it's so like interesting to see how different she operates than me. So whatever you're using as your search engine, you go and you you have a problem and you look for something. So, you know, recently I was looking up and for my new puppy, I was looking up different foods that are sensitive for for his breed because he's having some trouble adjusting to what I'm feeding him. He's having dr- trouble adjusting to what I'm feeding him. And I pay attention to my own behaviors because it informs how I make decisions as a content strategist, but I go to Google and I'm searching for, you know, what what do Malinois shepherd mixes, you know, struggle with most in their diets? And then I know that many of the results that are going to pop up are going to be terrible, not good sources. So I'm immediately looking for a reliable source and I find one it's scientific, it's citing their sources. And then I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I actually want to subscribe to this newsletter because I want to follow content that is going to help me raise this puppy to be a really well-behaved, well-adjusted, healthy dog. So uh, I think about it from that perspective a lot as a content strategist too. And I think businesses definitely should. If you're writing content that is valuable, you are really going to build a long-term relationship and have a better chance at converting a sale that costs significantly less than paid advertising is going to cost you. That makes so much sense to me. Um, I think you kind of started about the benefits of business blogging, but what benefits can personal blogging bring up, bring us and and how is that different from the business side of blogging? That's a, that's a good question. Um, so the type of personal blogging that I've always done has been for businesses. Um, I haven't put a whole lot of energy into my own personal blogging um, yet. But I think that personal blogging from a business perspective, like having the CEO writing a blog, having you know your department heads writing blogs, those things, it provides personality. Um, it seems more authentic. It gives a face to, to who's writing. Uh, people are viewing and and reading, and it I think allows them to feel more connected and really helps with that that trust building factor. Um, and I also think there's an accountability element to that that not a lot of people discuss. When you're a business and you're ghostwriting, uh, or you have hire a ghostwriter, um, you you're not accountable to the content that you are writing because people can't trace it back to you necessarily. It's under the brand umbrella, right? And the brand cares, but decision makers are distanced from that on some level, especially in larger companies. If you have your marketing director writing one blog a month, you have your sales director writing one blog a month, and you have your CEO writing one blog a month, all of a sudden, you have a face to the name for the business and their integrity is on the line. And they're going to be accountable to the content that they're writing. So it's going to, it's really going to, it's going to be more authentic. It's going to be more original and it's going to be less self-serving because typically when it is really, really personal, uh, they are trying to help and add value from that perspective. 
Hmm. So for this, we're we're speaking about brands and and that are like not necessarily the the personal brand. So if you're operating a business that does have, you know, multiple players in this, like for me, for example, like Jesse Wyman photography, it is just me. Kate actually writes my blogs for me, but I'm heavily invested in the content. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I'll come up with the ideas. So so I guess is that sort of similar to what you're saying or do you think that it's just the fact that they're actually writing it themselves like because i i am heavily invested in in the content that that Mm he writes i review it i make sure it's like you know my voice so is that like where does that fall into this that's that's hard to say. I think it would come down to what your goals and objectives are and and how the content reads. So I would really have to I would have to read it before I could really give you an answer. But it sounds like it's very personal because you do have a close relationship uh, to Kate and you also have a close relationship to the process. So and and your name is on it because it's you're a you're an individual, you're a sole proprietor yeah. of that business. So I yeah. think I think that you can say that that really is your business's personal blog. It still is a brand. It's a personal brand, though, if you think yes, about it. So exactly. I, I would definitely say I would definitely say that's more on the personal side. Yeah. Now, if we were talking about a company that had 50 employees and they had hired a content writer, and that content writer was ghostwriting for the CEO, ghostwriting for the sales director and the marketing mm-hmm. director and the operations director, then then that I would think would be more of business blogging. And I think that a lot of SEO content uh, is business blogging and it serves a purpose and it it definitely uh, is valuable, but I think it needs to be done in tandem with a more personal approach to really help the brand. All right, now let's get into this. (laughs) What are the writer's don'ts? What should we be avoiding in both business and personal blogging? Okay. All right. So I've got quite a list here. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Give um, it to us. It can go anywhere from mechanics. So it, so I think what I'll do is I'll start with kind of the low hanging fruit and then we can work our way up. Um, I think the first thing that I can say is don't go into anything blind. Um, make sure that you do your research, you understand your audience you understand your goals and your objectives and what you're really trying to achieve so that you can measure your success because if you're not if you're going into it blind and you don't have a clear objective you have no way of tracking whether or not you're doing a good job and understanding what you may or may not need to change and i see i have seen a lot of businesses and i have seen a lot of bloggers do that and i think at the end of the day they're the ones who struggle the most with lead generation um my goodness uh, influencer campaigns getting getting contracts those kinds of things because they don't have a clear objective that speaks to the audience that they're trying to capture so it would be like my first my first suggestion Interesting. I feel like there's like a whole lot that we could dive into that. Like, how do you identify your goals? I mean, we're not going to, we're not going to, but I think that's a really good point that you make and that it, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm I'm not like a data geek, but I definitely know how like important measuring results can be. So I'm glad you mentioned that first. Yeah. Yeah. Data is 
everything. Dad is life. I think that's why I, I love Regex so much because that's what we really, really focus on. We don't make decisions that aren't rooted in data. Um, okay. So another don't that I would say is don't be circuitous. <laughs> don't be verbose. Um, people don't like reading really, really long form content unless it's incredibly engaging. So if you're writing long form content, um, that you want people to read from beginning to end, make sure that you are direct, clear, concise, and to the point. So cut the fluff. Uh, it's Faulkner who said it, I believe. It's like, kill your darlings. Don't be too attached to the things that you're writing that sound really artful and really creative. Nine times out of 10, you're you're going to have to be comfortable with learning how to next those a lot of that. So I would say learn how to learn how to be clear, concise, and direct in in what you're saying because most people are skimming headlines to find the section of the content that is most relevant to whatever their query is. And if you really want to build trust, you want to make that easy for them. I can't tell you, and this is like probably not even as like relevant as, but it makes me think of those recipe blogs where you oh. just you go on and on and they want to tell you the history of the dish and then this I'm like, and then, and you know, they're stuffed full with ads mm-hmm. because that's what they're, they're making money. It's mm-hmm. fine. It's a blog. It's, it's also but the only I'm way they can copyright I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. Thing. I'm scrolling. And then it's like giving me every background on every single ingredient. And then I'm clicking out of all the ads. And then finally mm-hmm. I get to the recipe. I can understand how that can be detrimental too. Like if it's not yeah. like a recipe that I know I want, like then I'm probably just going to give up because it's too much scrolling. It's too many ads. It's too much information I don't need. <laughs> Completely agree. And that it's so funny because that just happened to me this morning when I was checking, <laughs> checking for a recipe with some of the ingredients I had in my fridge. And I was like, this is really annoying. And I don't understand where the jump to recipe button is not being utilized on this site. So <laughs> I totally I get what you're saying. I recently learned of the jump to recipe button and it's, it is a lifesaver for <laughs> yes. these recipes. It really I think is. I think that's the only way that because you can't really copyright a recipe. So that's like how they can actually protect their material is the whole thing. At least that's what I was told by a food blogger. Yeah. Once. But yes, it is quite annoying. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know how that was just how she viewed it. But all right. What's the next don't? Uh, do not write what you think think people want to hear right from an authentic place and and right from integrity. Um, I think I see a lot of writers who, and, and I've been guilty of this too. So I, I just want to also say, I come from experience that is my own. I, ha- I have come from when I was younger and I was really excited to have writing on my resume and be considered a professional writer. I was writing a lot from... Uh, my own ego for my own ego, where I really wanted to sound smart, which makes your reading level harder and keeps your your readability down, right? So your bounce rates are higher. Uh, and I wasn't writing for the target audience. I wasn't writing for people who wanted to quickly understand the products that I was writing about or the travel experiences or the risk mitigation practices, those kinds of things. I was overcomplicating it because I was more concerned about sounding intelligent and like I really knew what I was doing, then I was connecting to the audience and building trust and reaching the objectives and the goals that I had laid out for myself. So that was a learning curve. So I would say definitely, definitely write from a place of authenticity and do not write what you think people want because 
It just, it's, it's just not going to work. It's just not going to work in the long term. People can really feel that as they're reading. That is so interesting because I feel like so much of what we hear is you have to sort of think about your audience and like, what is it that they need to hear in order to move forward to either book your service or buy your product or whatever. So that's, and that's true. Yeah. And and that's true. It's, it's, you want to understand what goals and objectives they have and what they're trying to achieve. And you want to cater to that, but you want to come from a place that, that is really authentic. So you want to use your tone of voice, right? Like if you're a personal blogger, you want to really find your own voice and you want to use that in your writing because if if you're doing that and you're writing with that authenticity and that energy and you're following your goals and your objectives, you're going to bring people who are attracted to your style. And I think that that's, that's kind of part of it. And that's the most sustainable. Whereas if you're constantly writing like an academic writer you know, you're going to, there's how many academic writers are going to be searching for, you know, whatever product you're selling or whatever you're blogging about from a personal perspective. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's hard to cast a wide net when you're, when you're inauthentic. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So we're looking also at the, you know, just talking about the content itself. You're talking about the tone of the content too, being authentic and how you absolutely so many, so many times I have to say, like, you'll see some a piece of writing from someone and then you actually speak with them. And obviously there is a difference between writing something down on paper on a computer screen and then how you would usually chat in a, in a conversation. But then there are the people who really sound so different and it's, it's off-putting. You're kind of like, mm. now it's, you know, years ago, obviously they didn't have like the, the AI or the chat GPTs and all that kind of stuff. But these <laughs> days I'd kind of been like, all right, somebody obviously is using like chat GPT and doing absolutely no revising on this. Cause you sound nothing like you're writing. <sighs> yeah. At all. Yeah. At all. That's a, right. And that was actually one of my other don'ts. Oh, I'm jumping <laughs> oh, continue. ahead. Continue I'm on. Continue I love on. it. I love it. Um, jumping ahead now. Don't rely solely. I think that I don't rely solely on AI. I think that AI is a great tool to help you think creatively and to help you push your own boundaries and and to stretch your mind um, mm-hmm. and your creativity. But you cannot expect it to write the entire piece. It's going to fail. It's going to sound fake. It. I. I have tried everything. I have used it for hours upon hours. I even tried testing out a couple of freelance copywriting jobs that I had with with ChatGPT. Mm. And what it what I realized it really helped me do was it really helped me stretch my creativity and understand a lot of the. It, it helped me shift my perspective in what objectives the client was trying to 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 reach, or it really helped me think about how they wanted to be conveyed. But when it came down to the writing itself, I did not, I could not rely on it. It just wasn't nearly as good as what I was putting down on paper. And um, but it but it was great for helping me think strategically and really and really stretch um my creativity. But d- do not rely solely on AI. Um, I- it's it's not going to help you. <laughs> We've covered AI a couple of times on the show. And like, that's pretty much like the sentiment that we get from every, yeah. from our own experience, as well as from what our guests have said about AI is it's a great tool. It's not going to get it right. hundred mm-hmm. percent. And if you do just copy and paste, it's, 
like I tried it, you know, I experimented with it and it was just so like, oh, but you can learn to finesse it too. You can you, yeah. you almost have to tell, you have to like have a conversation with the AI and even then it gets, it gets it close, but it doesn't get it all the way. Mm-hmm. I but, think and also, the self-editing is important. Oh, totally. For me, I like it as kind of a way to um, outline a post mm-hmm. or an idea or or a concept for a project. So that's kind of where I've found it to be beneficial in that, you know, I put something down and it can kind of spit out something that's like, okay, this is how to structure it. Now I take that and I make it my, you know, make it my own and, and flesh it out. That's kind of how mm-hmm. I found it to be a, a good way to work. But yes, I agree. Just copying and pasting is a recipe for disaster right there. It really, really is. Mm. It really is. All right. Next. Yeah. All right. Let's see here. Um, All right. So a big one is don't write, and this kind of ties into authenticity, but don't write about something from a subject matter expert point of view if you are not a subject matter expert. Um, And research and cite your sources. Include subject matter experts into your process and then write about the topic. Um, if you are, if it's not something that you are well-versed in, but it's something that you want to have a conversation about, approach it from a place of curiosity. Uh, mm. Approach it with maybe some, be humble, right? And approach it. And again, something I learned the hard way. Um, so it's, it's this is all coming from personal experience. Um, you know, don't be afraid to, collaborate and include others in your writing so that you really can get it to that subject matter level, subject matter expert level without posturing yourself as a know-it-all. Um, and I think the reason why I I really say don't do that is because you just see so much of that online. We're saturated with it right now. You have so many people pretending to be subject matter experts across every industry, whether it's you know science, um, psychology, well, psychology is science, but science, you know, academia, just mathematics, really business, anything, uh, medicine. Um, and I think that it's really, really important to be humble and, and be okay collaborating and bringing those subject matter experts in so that you can provide factual information and also just admit that there's some things that you don't know and that you're trying to find out. Uh, and I think that that will, again, ties back into authenticity. It'll make your writing more authentic. It'll show that you have integrity and it'll help you build trust with your audience. Are there a couple ways that you recommend bringing in these experts through these blogs? Is it like interview style? Are they guest blogging? Are you just maybe having an offline conversation with them and asking them to be quoted in, in, you know, in the article? What are some ways that our audience could do that? That's a great question. There's so many ways you can approach it. Uh, one of my favorite ways is to approach it with like a, a let's say, we'll give a number, a six-part series, right? Where, you know, maybe maybe piece number one uh, or chapter one in or article one, whatever you would call it, is featuring a certain topic with a certain subject matter expert of a larger, broader topic that you're you're trying to discover. And you have a guest blog come in and they write about one piece of this larger puzzle that you're trying to uncover and you're you're trying to um, research and understand. And you have multiple subject matter experts 
blogging about this topic from their own perspective, maybe it's similar and they don't agree with each other. So you're you're showing and highlighting that there's multiple perspectives, or maybe it's a building block and you're building up towards a larger picture, a larger puzzle. So that's one way. And I that I love, I love doing it that way because I love showing a diverse audience um, about one topic. Another way is if you're writing just one piece or one article. Interview as many people as you can who are subject matter experts in the field. Those interviews can be offline. There's tons of different styles of interviews that you can use. Um, And approach, I mean, you can look up how journalists do it. Journalists are great for, you know, teaching you. Any journalist is going to be a great resource for teaching you how to interview people um, and how to corroborate your sources and fact check things. Um, so you can do it that way where you can have one piece where you have multiple subject matter experts being quoted. Um, and also just cite your sources. If you're not going to use subject matter experts to write the entire piece, which most people aren't, you're always going to research and do your own writing, include your citations and where you're getting that information from to show the audience that you did your research because you were curious and you wanted to make sure that you really knew what you were talking about. And then say, this is my perspective on it. This is what I believe from the information I'd gathered. But you know, audience, what are your thoughts? And open the comment section. And that's a great way to open up the conversation and get engagement. So those are two great ways, I think, that stand out to me the most. No, that's great. I think that's that's excellent. It gives our audience a starting point. I'm like, wait, how do we do that? Mm-hmm. Um, are there any other big don'ts? Or should we move into some do's? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can definitely move into some do's. We can move into some do's. Um, right. I did say, don't be afraid to kill your darlings, right? That's like my favorite. I have yes. to remind, I remind my writers that all the time. When I look at when I'm auditing and I'm kind of, I'm looking at things that the editor posted, I'll I'll say like, okay, there's too much fluff here. Take it back. Like, why are you guys married to this? Like, remember what Faulkner said. Oh, <laughs> so, I'm. They hate it. <laughs> I do. Yes, I hate it too. But I do it often. I know that feeling. Glib being glib. Yes, it's a curse. And- I still have editors that say that to me. So it's not like anyone, you're never going to be free of that. It's a challenge that you as a writer are going to have all of the time. You you will consistently have that. You're never going to give something to an editor and not have any red lines coming back ever. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. You can write a sentence and how many, like when you come down to it, how many extra words there end up being in that, <sighs> in, a, in a simple sentence. Like I was writing something earlier today and I looked at it and I'm like, why does this seem so busy? It's like 10 words long and I cut out three or four and it still made sense. So just looking for even that, those little pieces of the puzzle right there. All right. What are some more do's? All right. Um, Use catchy headlines. Definitely write a catchy headline and subheadings, catchy headlines, catchy subheadings that guide the reader. Um, I think the subheadings are really important as well, because like I said earlier, it is really important to help the reader find what they're looking for, because I I can't give an exact number, but I'm going to say nine times out of 10, someone is coming with a specific query. And if the entire piece doesn't cover it in 850 words or less, then they're going to be scanning for the headline in the section that gives them what they're looking for. 
Can you give us a few examples? Yeah, of, like, I was like, those... give us a few examples of catchy headlines and stuff. Oh, oh my god! Yeah. Oh, oh my goodness, on the spot. I know. <laughs> if We're you don't you through the me, ringer, it's totally fine. No, it's silly. It's like I just might need a minute to think. I definitely, I'm like a. Um, I got to find my quiet place. So. I think that one of my favorite is in travel insurance. Like there, because this is the best. These are so many good examples are in travel insurance because it's such a complex product and insurance nerds, like which I would have considered at the time myself an insurance nerd. Now I'm happy to be a little distance from it because it was a little boring, but um, they always try to pack as many details into the headline as possible. Like trip cancellation will guarantee that you don't lose on your travel investment. I'm like, why are we writing this? Have more control over your trip. That's it. Like, don't, like, don't, you know, or um, don't be afraid of canceling your trip. Or, you know, are you afraid of of having a trip cancellation? Sometimes a question is is the way to go um, because that really speaks to, you know, the person's need. But I think one of the my favorites is it was to kind of change it into that where it really puts the power into the user's hands versus like making them giving them something that's like here take this heavy cognitive load and process it knowing that people only spend three to five seconds on a website before they decide whether or not to bounce so now taking that and keeping it really short like to the question like you know afraid of canceling your trip question mark how does SEO come into play with like your headlines? Like, would that make or, you know, make for a good argument for SEO? Like you would think that the longer, more detailed, like query, like where maybe it's sort of like anticipating the Google question mm-hmm. or the Google query would be more likely to come up in a response versus just a more shortened question. Does that like, yeah, this is the title. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I it's going it's always my answer is always going to be it's going to depend. And but at the same time I don't think so because user experience is so much better. I think that Google at this point and just the search engines in general, the algorithms are smart enough to understand semantics. Because when you're writing about something, you know, cancel your trip, trip cancellation insurance, you know, trip cancellation insurance is going to be somewhere on that page if that's the product that you're selling. And it's going to be mentioned a few times. Um, so I think Google will pick up on that. And it's go- you're going to get brownie points from the search engines if people stay on the page and if people click through, right? So if you're, if you're providing a headline that is catchy and it draws attention and keeps people on the page you're going to get better search results than the person who wrote the first one, whether or not their keyword density is higher and and all of those things. So, I, and, and people might, you know, they argue differently than me. They have different perspectives, but, um, you know, I have to be completely honest. I, with a lot of that style of copywriting, I had a lot of success in SEO. Um, and I think it was because I really did focus on reducing cognitive load because people coming to a complicated product like travel insurance, which is yeah. Unfortunately, way more complicated than it has to be. Um, they're already, if they're coming to this blog 
or this article, they're already overwhelmed because they're trying to decide whether or not they really need this product or whether or not it's BS. And if you write these really long headlines, you're not helping them. (laughs) So you're not, yeah. Well, and as you mentioned, there's other ways to ensure that, you know, other keywords are picked up, you know, within the article or, you know, the tags or whatever else that can Mm -hmm. be used. And the ultimate goal is to get them to click on that. So a convoluted title, a shorter title might win over that. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Any more do's that you got for us? Be consistent. Uh, Yeah, you got to be consistent. If you... If you can't carve out the time to do it consistently, it's not going to sustain results. Uh, you're not going to be able to sustain trust with your audience or keep your your voice, your brand, your personal your personal brand, whichever it is, at the front of their mind. So you have to be consistent, and you have to you have to be able to be consistent while also maintaining the the value add. So. It is my recommendation, this will go right into another one, to research and plan out in advance so that you can be consistent. And if you can write more than what you've planned initially, you ideas come to us all of the time. I know that sometimes I'm driving and a new idea will come to me and I'll just add it instead of taking something away. I will say, okay, I'm going to add this blog because this is a really, this is an important perspective that I think people want to hear. But I know that I have a consistent six to to 12 months of blogs once a month planned out so that at least once a month, something is publishing. So that's the way that, that I recommend it. So be consistent, have a target number that is reasonable and plan out your content in advance so that you can meet that target and you carve that time out and you dedicate yourself to it and you set boundaries with yourself so that you reach that target. So that's another one. Is there a minimum? And, you know, I feel like it probably, again, it just depends, probably just means to be consistent. Like I've been, I, via Kate, have been blogging consistently since what, 2020? Yep. Yeah. And it's, it's ranged, it's on average, it's about twice a month that that Mm -hmm. we write two blog posts a month. Um, But is there a sort of a, a standard practice like do you should it be once a month if it's or is it just matter that it's consistent let's may maybe every other month is is what you can handle and as long as it's every other month consistently that works is that yeah there's a lot of businesses that have quarterly they you know they'll do things quarterly because they just don't have the the bandwidth to do something and i think they're going to get less traffic by doing it that way but at least there's something mm-hmm. and they can build over time I don't think that there's a magic number. It always comes down to your goals and your objectives and whether or not you have something important to say, which is why I think it's important to plan ahead of time. Because if you're not planning ahead of time and you're always just saying, I have to write one blog this month, what should I write about? Eventually, you're just going to end up you know, running through this idea mill generation thing that doesn't really do that value add that needs to happen. So be really methodical about it. Do your research, think about what your audience really needs and what's going to add value and attract the people that you that you want to do business with. Because that's I think that that's something that a lot of writers don't think about is that mm-hmm. they don't think about their own, I want to say like self-worth in a sense. So like consider your self-worth, right? Um really if you're if you're planning things out and you're being methodical, 
and you're saying, I know that this is important because I've done my research, you're going to have a lot more confidence in your writing because the data is there supporting that the search queries are there, that people are concerned with this. Maybe you've done focus groups or you've reached out to an email list and asked them what they want to hear you talk about. Either way, that's like, okay, I know that I'm good at at writing. I know that I'm methodical. I can trust my process. And I know that I'm going to be able to deliver something valuable because I've approached it this way. So it's really, it's a really great, I think, way to approach it. I hope that made sense. Looking at thinking back at like how I approached that. No, I think, I think it does. I think, um, I know sometimes for me, like when Kate's like, Oh, do you have your, your content like topics or the blog topics you want to write? I will say when I've already had them down and like, a, you know, our spreadsheet, like, I feel like those ones are always like better than me having to like come up with like last minute thoughts because it does feel more forced mm-hmm. at that point. So I don't know, my best thoughts always come in the shower. So I feel like I need to get like a waterproof dry <gasps> erase board and just like stick it in the shower. I don't know about anybody else. But I always I will <laughs> tell you mid mid wash in the hair and it's like, oh, that is amazing. My two places are in the shower and when I'm in bed and I always have a notebook like sitting on the toilet or right outside the shower and mm-hmm. I'll like write it and then I have one on my my bedside table. So oh, that's so, the, yeah, you guys you can tell your creatives and your content creators that is so important is to always have something available. The amount of ideas that I have lost because I didn't have something on me, I will I just I I cannot, I I cannot even begin to say it's like, be consistent and have a methodical approach, allow yourself the ability to be inspired so that you can throw extra, you know, golden nuggets in there, have the resources available, whether it's notepad on your phone. Um, There's an app called Obsidian. Have you guys heard of it? Yeah, I have. (laughs) It can connect all of your notes from your notes app that are a similar theme or a similar topic. So I like to do a lot of short story writing in my free time. So I like to, I like to write short stories. I particularly in like horror and, um, one of, or a lot of it is also more what like more emotional more just like self-awareness and self-development style stuff. And obsidian will, if I have a similar themes, Obsidian will like recognize that and tie everything together. A great way to use AI as a writer uh, so that I can keep track of all of my ideas because oftentimes something will come to me while I'm in line at the grocery store and I'm about to pay. So I'm, you know, multitasking and I'm like, I just have to get this down real quick so I don't forget, you know, this train of thought and then it will connect it all. So um, that's a, that's a great tool. Well, this has been a great conversation. Are we missing anything? Any do's that we may have missed? Any don'ts we may have missed other than... Kill your darlings, which I love that one. Practice self-care and set boundaries. I think that, um, and that goes ties into self-worth. Just if you're going to be a writer or a creator of any kind, you have got to take care of yourself. You have got to have downtime, quiet time. You've got to rest um, because otherwise it'll be really hard for creativity to come to you and for you to find that inspiration to keep going. So allow yourself that time. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing this with us. Uh, I think our our listeners are really going to appreciate it. Where can people find more about you and learn more about what you do? You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Amanda Marie Hand. 
I actually do not really do social media, um, surprisingly enough. So um, I've always wanted to kind of keep business separate. So LinkedIn is the best way to find me. um, And I will be posting. I do have my own website in development right now. So eventually... My website with some of my creative writing will be will be launched hopefully in 2024. So LinkedIn is going to be the place where you can find that um, if you're interested. Awesome. Hmm. Yeah, well, this has been so, great. Thanks, Amanda, yeah, for coming on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was lovely meeting you guys. So I really love how the interview was so succinct with mm-hmm. Amanda, the, the don'ts and then some of the do's and some of yep. what we have heard before, but I think she threw in some really clear nuggets for us and um i don't know i just feel a little bit more i have like more clarity now i know you write most of my blogs but like just clarity with why you're doing what you're doing yeah and like what to consider when especially when like brainstorming and getting creative and like what you know the things i need to be considering and so i'm sure from your, your perspective too as a blog writer I always learn something new when we when we have a guest on the show, no matter what topic we're talking about. Um, so I, I and but when it is something that's kind of close to well, in my wheelhouse, I actually really enjoy it because they always have some kind of nugget that I maybe didn't think of. Right. Um, so, no, it was great having Amanda on the show to talk about that. And I know that when after we wrapped up our conversation, she was also telling us about her company. Um, that she works for Regex. Um, they're kind of have a new launch in the third quarter of yeah, which will have um, a new a new tool for those that are looking to improve their SEO and really get into more blog writing. So I'm going to set link... myself a little reminder to check that out. Next yeah, week. and we'll link up Regex so that you can subscribe, so that you can you know anybody who's interested in the tool that they're going to be coming out with, um, you know, you can be notified of all of that information. Will do. We can do that. No worries. All right. Uh, Well, thank you so much for listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. Make sure to join our Facebook group, Cocktails and Content Creation community. And you can leave us a comment about what you want us to talk about. You can follow us on Instagram at Cocktails and Content Creation and email us Cocktails and Content Creation at gmail.com. I'm Kate Andrews, and you can follow me on Instagram at FashionablyKateAndGo. And I'm Jesse Wyman. You can follow me on Instagram at Jesse Wyman Photos. Make sure to tune in next time for another episode of Cocktails and Content Creation. And until then, cheers to your next cocktail. And happy content creating. <laughs>